0: In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I am a detective for a sheriff's office in Tennessee. One night, I was called to the scene of a death. The victim had died of a gunshot wound to the head. Once there I located the victim laying the floor of an unfinished basement. The victim's spouse was an employee of our Sheriff's Office, so I ended up asking for the State Bureau of Investigation to work the investigation, to eliminate any kind of conflict of interest. I was told that their response was going to be over four hours due to them working a homicide across the state and it would take a few hours to close up what they were doing and travel to my location. Another detective and myself agreed to wait at the crime scene till they arrived. Since I was already on scene, I agreed to take the first two hours to provide scene security. I sent our deputies back in service to handle calls, leaving me at the scene by myself. I began my watch by sitting in a chair next to an exit door in the basement, leaving the body and eyesight approximately 50 feet away. After 45 minutes, I was surfing the web on my phone when I heard a loud hissing sound followed by what sounded like an open hand smack to a flat surface. The sounds came from where the victim was lying. The house had been cleared and locked down prior to me sending deputies back in service. The only way in or out was the door at which I was sitting. After this, I went outside and pulled my car up to the door and sat there with the engine running. I mentioned the occurrence to the medical examiner and she laughs saying that she hears all kinds of weird noises coming from bodies. I'm pretty sure the hissing sound was gas escaping the body but the loud smack I cannot explain. When I first joined the police, during our first two days of training school we had a lecture from this old sweat. British police slang for an officer who has been in the force for a long time, who'd been in the job for about 20 years. He told us of his weirdest experience of policing. He said he'd been out on patrol in a car, when they got an abandoned call to a house. He got there and it was a big house sort of isolated, and they knocked on the door and no one answered. He went to open the door and it was unlocked, and he walked in. The house was empty. No people, no furniture, no possessions. Completely vacant. He looked around and found no one there, but then looked upstairs and thought he saw someone move. He went upstairs. It was a really big house with a long hall upstairs. When he got up there he saw someone go into the bedroom right at the end of the hall. He followed the person there, calling out as he went. Again, all the other rooms were completely empty of even furniture. When he got to the room he saw the person go in, he found it completely empty. No one was in it and nothing was there apart from a big long mirror. He walked into the room and looked into the mirror. He told us he saw something in the mirror that he said has haunted him for the rest of his life. He wouldn't tell us what he saw, and said he'd tell no one ever, but that it terrified him. He turned around and left the room to leave. As he walked down the hallway he saw that all the rooms were now filled with furniture. No one was there still, but the house no longer looked abandoned. He said he left the house that day never knowing what had happened, or who had called police, but absolutely 100% sure of what he'd seen. He was completely serious and it was obvious that he really believed that was what he'd seen, and it gave me chills down my spine when he was telling us. I've never forgotten it. As a cop I have seen it all. Drunk drivers, meth heads, speeding tickets even a few dead bodies that were clearly the work of some sick and twisted killers but nothing could prepare me for what i saw that day this was the night i saw something that couldn't be real but with my own two eyes yes i saw it with my own eyes and i know what i saw nobody will be able to ever convince me otherwise i'm just glad our small town is sparsely populated so very little happens here at all Now I haven't always lived here, I used to be a cop over at a much bigger city where I dealt with much more heinous crimes. Like murders and disturbing things the general public would never want to deal with. And on this night, we would get quite the shock when a woman by the name of Mary Hawkins, her name completely changed for the sake of the story called out to us at about 2am, reporting an incident outside her house. She's a young attractive woman in her early 40s and is known around town since she's lived here for decades. She said something was happening at the back of her property, near the tree line.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Checked
1: it out. There was nothing there that I could see. So I drove straight to her house after that. Thinking perhaps something had been messing with her. I figured an animal or something. When I arrived though at her door, she looked shaken up. But instead insisting that she saw something very weird outside she went on to describe a tall bipedal entity covered completely in thick brown hair except for its face which was nearly bare with pale white skin she described it as having no really ears or nose only slits where its nose should have been and large pointed ears on top of its head she said it had red glowing eyes and a mouth full of fangs that looked like they belonged in a halloween horror prop store she was terrified and my presence didn't do much to calm her down either. Now Mary Hawkins had been known in our community for a while. She taught the local preschool, was very involved in the local Baptist church, and spent a lot of her free time helping out with the community, like homeless shelters and feeding. This is not a woman that would fabricate this kind of call, nor would she try and waste an officer's time by calling them out here and putting on the best performance an actress could do. It just made no sense. This was a genuine honest woman. Why would she make something up like this? I could tell by the way she was acting. This was genuine fear. She was spooked, and she had clearly saw something that was completely out of the ordinary. The image of her face just would not leave my head all night long. It almost looked like she was in physical pain, speaking out about what she experienced. But at least she seemed relieved at seeing our car in the driveway, and knowing we would do our best to keep an eye out for her. I actually didn't end up going back to Hawkins until around noon that very next day, which was strange to me. Since I'm usually eager to get rid of cases as quickly as possible. But something about her case felt different that I had to go back and check up on her. Now so many thoughts were racing through my head on the way there. How could something like this happen? was this simply just an animal misidentification? I don't know. So I arrived and rang the doorbell. Patiently awaiting for Mrs. Hawkins to answer. She answered. She's tried to smile and you can tell she was still shaken up about last night. Maybe she thought we'd found new evidence or perhaps found the creature in question. But we did not have what it took to solve this mystery. At least not yet we walked together out to the backside of her property again where she originally spotted this thing. And once more explained to her, we couldn't find anything. But then, we both heard it. This scream that echoed throughout the entirety of the property. It was so loud and shrill. We both froze and I heard it. And Miss Hawkins fell to the ground sobbing. That's when I looked over for the first time and saw the creature Miss Hawkins had described. What I was looking at was a werewolf-like creature. Probably about eight or nine feet tall, long shiny black hair all over its body and the only parts completely visible were its hands and face. The creature's hands were very similar to a human's. They were larger, had coarse black fur sticking up from the back of its hands. And its face looked like a wolf's except, unlike what she described to me, this thing actually had a very large snout. And no slits for noses but as it got closer it was salivating, revealing sharp white teeth. This thing was slow at first, almost acting cautiously. We knew in that moment we were in danger. I told her come on, we gotta go. And we headed back to the house where this creature was heading for in our direction. I fired a few rounds at it to deter it, but it didn't help much. At that point it felt like time had slowed down a bit. And I remember just being able to think, ever so clearly. This wasn't going to be a normal day and if this thing got inside this woman's house it would mean the end. I took him again as it ran back into the woods. Just as I was about to fire off another round and this creature disappeared. It was like watching the predator that just sort of dissipated. And Mrs. Hawkins of course was now completely traumatized, more so than last night after seeing this thing again. As for me, I'm not really supposed to be talking about this, but I feel like with your channel it's a line of communication that should be open. We as protectors of the public need to make this stuff known. I'll end the email for now but know that these things are very, very real. I was an intern for my city's SUV unit. Because I didn't have my own car my dad would drop me off on his way to work and so I was normally in the building before the detectives arrived. One morning I wasn't the first one there. The detective that had been assigned first call was there. So I was starting up the coffee when I heard screaming and banging from the interview room. I peeked through the one-way window and I saw a middle-aged guy smashing the chair against the wall while screaming. I went and told the detective what the guy was doing and he told me the guy had been doing that on and off since he had been brought in. The detective told me the guy had no criminal record and no history of mental health problems but early that morning the guy had broken into his sister's home, stabbed her, choked her, raped her, tied a rope around her neck and then threw her out a window. The guy wouldn't talk he just kept screaming and breaking things. He wasn't even a suspect until his sister regained consciousness and identified him. Last I heard she was alive but is paralyzed from the neck down. He took the easy way out if you know what I mean in jail. No one knew why he did it. Got a call out to a funeral home for a business alarm and found the front door cracked open. My partner and I went inside, started checking rooms, and eventually made our way to the basement where they do the embalming. I'm not one to get rattled and don't believe in ghosts, but my partner and I started catching some really weird vibes as soon as we went down the stairs. After an expedited check downstairs, we went back to the main floor and were wrapping up checking the last few rooms. Suddenly, we both heard two distinct footsteps on the floor of the room above us. Game on, Mr. Burglar. We quietly made our way to the stairs leading to the second floor and started up them when I came across a window. The window looked over the room we had just been in, so the steps actually had to have been on the roof itself. The problem with that was that section of the roof had no other ways of entry or egress other than the window I was looking through and it had been painted shut years prior. The weird vibes ramped up so my partner and I looked at each other, agreed that we had done enough room clearing, and noped right out of the building. Being a police officer is not easy. Those of you who are police officers will know that some of the most challenging things we face is when we need to deal with someone that isn't quite human. Granted, a lot of police officers say that things like that don't exist. I think that they just haven't been doing it long enough. My favorite encounter with something not quite human, was just a couple years ago. I was going through a bit of a rough patch, my wife had lost her job and we were struggling to make ends meet. It's tough to pay for a family on a single police officer's pay that year we had received many reports of people messing about in the cemetery and vandalizing the headstones i had agreed to do a walkthrough of the graveyard at the start and end of every shift it wasn't my favorite thing to do but i hated the idea of someone being that disrespectful to the dead besides my grandparents and great-grandparents are buried there so it felt a little personal I hadn't physically caught anyone but I did one night catch a glimpse of some teens with spray cans as they ran from the cemetery. But then, one day it just stopped. For no reason. I was always curious as to why but I was paranoid that they might come back. So I kept doing my walkthroughs at the start and end of every shift. Then one night I learned why the kids had never come back. And I don't blame them. If what I saw is what they encountered there. Then I'd be surprised if any of them ever have a decent night's sleep again. That particular night it was cold and raining, so I decided not to physically walk but I stopped every couple of yards and pulled out my binoculars to scan the area for naughty teenagers. I checked every inch and then drove a bit further and did it again. At first it felt odd to be looking at the cemetery through binoculars. It always felt like I was spying on the dead. But, I wanted to make sure the area was all clear. I was about to leave when I figured I would do just another quick scan of the area. At first, I thought it was an antelope of some kind. Where we live it isn't uncommon for that to happen. But then I noticed that the animal didn't have any ears. For the first few seconds it was just standing still. Then it started moving. When it walked I saw it didn't move like an antelope at all. Instead it had a creeping movement. Like an animal that was stalking its prey. It wasn't until it passed below a nearby street lamp that I saw it a bit better. Although it was only briefly in the light I was able to see that it had large paws and large eyes. It was a pale grey color with dirt marks all over it. Honestly it looked like something that was never out in the sunlight. It also dipped its head as it moved below the light, as if it didn't like the light at all. I lost it in the darkness for a moment and then found it again. It seemed to be going from grave to grave, sniffing the dirt as if it was looking for something. Steam rose off the animal's back as it walked in the rain. It was as if its body temperature was crazy hot. As it moved it made a low-pitched grunting sound. It was moving away from me and I could see that it had no tail. And not like dogs who have had their tails removed as puppies. It looked as if it had never had a tail before. Something about the animal made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Still, I wanted to get a better look. So I decided to move a little closer with my car. The creature perked up as if it heard the sound of my car and bolted off running in the other direction. I sped up hoping to catch another glimpse of it, but it only ran further into the cemetery. The last bit that I saw was as the animal made a run for it up a nearby tree. I've never seen anything run up a tree that fast. It really took me by surprise. I reported what I saw and headed home, calling it quits on my cemetery patrols. Some of my colleagues believe me, some think I made it up one thing is sure though. I've never been back to the cemetery. Not even to visit the graves of my loved ones, and I don't intend to ever go back either. Whatever it was it scared the hell out of me. I used to be a 911 operator for a county's name I will not mention. I've personally received all sorts of very disturbing calls. But this one I'm about to share is one of the few that really stick out to me. I can't remember the exact date or time of the day it happened, but I remember some of the details as they have been forever burned into my memory. The original call came from a female, whom was frantic. Scared for her life. She refused to tell me where she lived, but I was able to narrow it down by the way she described her surroundings and some landmarks that were within shot of her location. It took roughly five minutes for the cops to get there. By then, this frantic woman had already locked herself into her house, equipped with a baseball bat in hand ready to defend herself against whatever was trying to break in. The officer slowly approached the front door of the trailer involved. Shining his flashlight into it as he cautiously approached. He could tell something large was on the other side of the trailer. Thrashing around. Trying to break into it. Ripping and tearing in its walls and windows. He called out to this thing. Asked what it wanted. He just assumed it was some methed out drug addict. But the only reply he got was a loud deep growl. Instantly telling the officer, this was no human. The officer proceeded to unload his gun into the sky, to hopefully scare off this large bear or so what he thought was a bear. And he thought it worked, because whatever was making all this noise fled into the woods. Although by fleeing he could hear how loud it was, and that it was ultimately on two legs and not four. The citizen who called 911 had never heard of Bigfoot before and was not any way aware of what she might have seen that night. She claims it was one of the most terrifying things she had ever witnessed in her life. And that's why she called for help immediately after. And this thing had fled. After speaking with this woman on scene, this officer decided to do some research about what she saw. And knew it wasn't anything like what we've seen on TV or read in the books about Bigfoot. Or what is depicted as Bigfoot. And also known as Sasquatch. So I myself have also done extensive research on these same types of creatures. They're very real. I've done enough to tell you that it is very unlikely for this thing to be some sort of bear or anything like that. And this lady had seen something else entirely. And if she ever sees it again, she'll recognize it immediately, especially if they're trying to break into her house. I've also contacted the local wildlife authorities who were aware of these types of creatures existed. Although, more in rural areas. More specifically around farms where livestock are also present. They told me that Bigfoot sightings are actually quite common, especially in this part of the country. But they typically don't go after people. Unless they feel threatened or so they tell me. So why would one act out against a human like this? and try to break into a trailer. Well, from what I've gathered from talking with this alleged eyewitness, it was maybe acting out of curiosity. But I'm not too sure, and before writing this up of course I've spent several hours speaking to the officer who had arrived on the scene in question. He spent a lot of time reiterating to me just how serious the situation was, and how when he realized, this wasn't a bear or some large animal and that it was actually something on two legs. He knew he was scared and he was in for something that shouldn't be there. I was a few months off of field training when I received a call for a suspicious incident in southwest zone of our jurisdiction. Dispatch advised the caller saw a single light in the sky. I was a few blocks north of the location of the call when it came out, and heard what sounded like an electrical transformer blow just a few minutes before the call came out. I just assumed the caller had seen the flash that typically accompanies these little explosions. While I was en route, dispatch further advised that the subject had made statements indicating the light was, what dispatch referred to as, of the biblical variety as it had made him feel warm. Great. For those that are not familiar, there is a very involved relationship between mentally ill and law enforcement. It seems that the number of mentally ill interactions for law enforcement has drastically increased and doesn't seem to be going anywhere, anytime soon, I'm looking at you crisis intervention training. I request any prior interactions we have with the subject, and dispatch relates what you'd imagine. Numerous calls for people in his house when no indication of such was located. Angels in his bedroom, civil disturbances for talking to himself on the train platform. Pretty much the standard offering of someone suffering from a mental illness. Also an officer safety alert. Terrific. Stupid transformer. I arrive on scene and find a man standing in the snow on the sidewalk with a good brown winter jacket, soiled blue jeans and a pair of white New Balance shoes. I remember the shoes were just immaculately white with heavy wear on the outside edges. The subject, we'll call him Tim has the most peaceful expression on his face with his hands clasped in front of him in what I'd call the communion hold. If you've ever received communion and cup your hands to receive your Jesus wafer, it was like that. Tim waves to me as I park. I walk up and introduce myself, hey sir, I'm officer Poetic Trigger Pull, how you feelin' today? Tim cuts in with a impossibly long run-on sentence. The gist of which was him asking if I had seen the light and accepted God's angel into my life. Sorry Tim, must have missed that one. I already know what happened and I don't want to spend any longer than I have to, because psych committal paperwork sucks. So I launch into a perfectly reasonable explanation of how a transformer blew in the area and the light he saw was the explosion. Blah blah. The whole time I'm talking, Tim is smiling and shaking his head at me. That's when he tells me, it was not a flash of light, but a large circle of light that made no noise. It floated above him rather angelically for what Tim perceived was ours and cast a light on him that warmed his skin, aka God's touch that expelled his demons. As the large circle of light moved away, Tim told me that the electrical box exploded as the light passed over it this is where I tell you, I have a morbid fear of UFOs. Legit. I hate even talking about them. At this point, I am quick to disprove Tim, as I don't want to even entertain the notion. I cut Tim off and ask for his ID. He hands it over and I find out he lives just a couple houses down. I am quick to try and convince Tim to return home as I'm sure it was nothing. I begin inquiring about his meds, illicit drug use, alcohol. The works. It all checks out, Tim is kind of just a standard crazy dude. Cool. Time to go. Tim shows me his watch. It's a Casio with a velcro band and the face of which is on Tim's inner wrist. Where the numbers would normally be there are these little zeros. They are the little weird digital zeros that you get on a calculator, where they narrow at the ends and have little spaces between them. If you've ever spelled 80085 with a calculator you'll know what I mean. There are some other dashes on the screen. No biggie. Tim has probably been wearing that watch for 30 years and it's been broken for 29 of them. I start to ask Tim if I can accompany him back to his home when I notice something that still gives me goosebumps even now as I type this. Tim and I are standing in a large circle of slightly melted snow. I have a pain catch in my chest and what could possibly be my first ever panic attack. Internally of course. No one likes to see a cop hyperventilate and shit himself. I look closely at the circle and seen a razor fine edge. The interior of the circle looks like melted snow and is kind of subset below the outer edge. It looks like someone turned a burner on underneath the snow and it was melting from the bottom down. Additionally, I see Tim's footprints walking into the circle from down the sidewalk in the direction of his house. The footprints outside of the circle are fresh and have these nice sharp edges. The ones inside are rounded and look like they have spent a day or two in the sun. My prints inside the circle are fresh as well. At this point in time, my cover officer arrives. One is usually dispatched whenever we have officer safety alerts on a subject. It's my former FTO good, me and him are close and I can panic a little in front of him. I pull him by my car and explain everything. He tells me he heard the transformer pop and believes the circle is due to gas, or a sewer. Essentially something terrestrial. He's calm about it and I want to believe him. He takes over and walks Tim back to his house after he makes sure no medical treatment is needed. We're done here. I get back in my car and try to clear myself from the call on my laptop, but the MDT is completely frozen. Not unusual, just annoying. I mic up and tell dispatch I'm 10 to 8. I'm asked to repeat as I'm all static. I drive down the road a bit and it goes through. Not unusual. Our radios suck. I take my phone out to call my former FTO and tell him just how far down the rabbit hole I went with that before he got there. My phone is locked up on the keypad screen. I have to pull the battery to reset it. This is a little unusual, that's never happened before. After a reset, I call my FTO and he essentially tells me to think horses when I hear hoof beats, not zebras. I feel like an idiot and don't tell anyone because as a probationary officer, I can be let go rather easily, and UFOs aren't covered in department policy. I don't drive down that street for a couple months and really really try to forget it. I get a call for a burglar alarm at a house at the cul-de-sac at the end of that same street. The homeowner tells me he only had the alarm trigger once before. I ask when and he tells me when he saw a large light glide over his house a few months back. F me. I don't go down that street alone on midnights. Ever. This was just one of three incidents I've had at work. The other two were lights over Lake Michigan shoreline. My mom worked as a nurse practitioner at Denver County Jail back when I was in middle school. I remember one day where she came home early because she was pretty shaken up. She had gone into work and started her beginning of shift duties, which included looking over the charts of any inmates currently in the ward. She passed one of the easy way out watch cells, basically a concrete box with a bench and a drain on the floor, and noticed that there was a man inside. He was in prison garb but my mom didn't recognize him, so she asked him his name but he didn't respond. There was no chart so she went and asked the officer on duty with her where the guy's chart was. The officer basically thought she was messing with him because no one had been in that cell for a few days. She went back to the cell with the officer and there was no one there. None of the other staff knew what she was talking about and nothing was on the security footage. My mom is the most secular, scientific person I know and it really freaked her out. She didn't like being alone anywhere in the jail after that. My dad was a cop in New York City for years. One night he's called to an apartment building where a man has seemingly passed out, possibly from a heart attack, he was also a paramedic. Him and his partner show up and the wife answers the door and takes them into the apartment. The guy is sitting in his chair in the living room completely unconscious. They figure out it's not a heart attack and it's low blood pressure so they're about to administer something to him and suddenly he jumps up and stares at them. However, he wasn't really staring at them more behind them, like he didn't even know they were there. He then began pacing back and forth, speaking in some sort of tongue, screaming and pointing, like it's a scene in a war movie where the general is inspiring his troops before they go into battle. He's waving his hand, pumping his fist, chanting, shouting his head off, and not a single person in the room had any idea what was going on. Then, just as suddenly as it began, He sits back in his chair and passes out again. When he came to they asked him if he spoke any language other than English, which he didn't. His wife yelled at him that they'd met in Spanish class but he admitted he didn't remember much of it. He said no one in his immediate family spoke any language either, as they'd all been born in America. My dad and his partner left believing that they had just seen an episode of a previous life taking over the current body in an attempt at self-preservation. My dad tells it better and I figure I messed up a few points, but that's more or less the gist of it. A story from Russia. The father of my girlfriend was a voluntary cop. It's like your American deputy, but with less authority. Those guys handle small stuff like walking on public lawns or a drunkard singing in the street. It was evening. They got a report that people are having an illegal gathering in the city park. He went there to check, and found only two rather big families celebrating a wedding. He wished them good luck and went back, but decided to cut short route through the old cemetery. The cemetery is of times of World War II, and no new graves were made since then. One old man kept half an eye over it for a small salary, and it was a rather tranquil old place. It was dark already, so our hero walked fast along the main road, when he saw the gravekeeper. Old man was fixing a fence that was damaged by a fallen branch. Rather far from him there was his cart, full of gardening tools. Our hero decided to pull a prank on the gravekeeper. He sneaked to the cart, took one of the litter bags, cut two holes in it for eyes, with pocket knife, and put it over his head and torso. Then he sneaked up to the gravekeeper, turned on a lighter under the bag, so that lights shine from the eyes, and started wailing. The gravekeeper turned around slowly, stared at him for a minute, turned away and continued his work. Our hero was so confused by the lack of effect. He started to feel bad for his childish behavior. He pulled off the bag, Mumbled sorry man and walked fast towards the exit. At the very gates of cemetery, he heard running footsteps behind him. It was the gravekeeper, who run up to him, poked him painfully with a spade and shouted, How many times do I tell you, people, wander around, if you need, but don't leave the territory? An elderly lady phoned 911 and requested that they send some policemen down to her house because she saw a shadowy figure lurking in her backyard. She was living by herself at night and didn't feel safe watching someone through her window. When the policeman arrived, the door was unlocked. They walked in and found the lady seated facing the window and they went to go check the backyard. There were no signs of anyone attempting to break and enter and nothing was missing. She had very tall fences surrounding her property, making it nearly impossible for anyone to get into it. They did, however, find footprints on the inside of her home. It was quite possible that she had left the door unlocked and wasn't looking outside, but rather at a reflection of someone inside of her home, behind her. I'm not a cop. But I did ask a cop about the scariest thing he ever witnessed. This guy had been around for years and a Vietnam vet. He was working homicide and got a call that there was a apparent man who took the easy way out. But since it was done with a shotgun they needed to be sure he really shot himself. When he arrived some other officers had been there a while and it was a bloody mess. The guy put the barrel in his mouth and sprayed the ceiling with his skull. He walked over to the body and looked into the gapping hole in the man's skull. Just then the man grabbed him and jumped up and screamed in his face. The slug the guy used managed to go between both lobes of his brain and not kill him. No one checked if he was alive because he looked very dead. He actually was rushed to the hospital and made it. Cop told me that was the only time in his adult life he shit himself. Thought he came back from the dead for a moment. didn't happen to me, but I responded and was there shortly thereafter. A co-worker responds for a building check located at the city pool. Middle of summer, warm night, it was sometime around 1 am. The pool is a simple block building on the edge of town, surrounded by a large empty field on one side, a parking lot, playground and trees on the other. Coworker keys up radio and says x pool, I got one running toward the field, Unknown male, blue jeans, gray shirt. We all on shift go quickly, of course. We find our co-worker not far from where the foot pursuit began. He's literally looking at the ground into the sky everywhere in that empty field. Retracing his steps, mumbling incoherently. We ask where the suspect was last seen and he just keeps repeating. We turn the corner of the building and he disappeared gone now. With the layout of the grounds, if you turn the corner of the building you have the option of running toward the large empty field, or scaling the 10 fence into the pool area. That's it. Nowhere else to go and you cannot climb the building. We check the pool, and surrounding grounds, nothing. Co-worker swears he was on the guy's heels, guy disappeared for a split second turning the corner, co-worker clears the building corner and suspect has disappeared. Judging by the co-worker's statement an absolute astonishment slash fear in his eyes. He's seen something not of this world. Maybe he was chasing some Usain Bolt of trespassers, I don't know. To this day he says he chased an alien. Case still unsolved. I was 19 and a volunteer EMT. We got a 911 dispatch call to a house that's been abandoned for well over 15 years. Police fire and EMS shows up. Police sweep the house and say it's clear. So EMS, myself and captain go in. We go upstairs to the top floor of this farm out and it's extremely cold. The temperature outside had to be 80F. Oddly enough, the windows wide open. So I slam it shut. This window took some effort being as old as it was to close, and looking out at the fire truck and ambulance in clear view in the driveway. He asked me what the noise was, so I told him I just shut the window that was open. We checked crawl spaces, closets, basement which also had an eerie feeling of death in, there were shackles on the pillar, I guess it was for farm animals when being butchered? At least that's what a firefighter told us. We then proceed outside and my captain says I thought you closed that window? Looking up at it. I said I did. Who opened it? So I go back inside expecting someone to still be in there and it was empty. So I simply close the window once more. Check the window too to see if it's spring loaded and maybe I didn't close it properly. Nope. Typical sliding window. So shut once again I went downstairs and back out. The window still shut I looked up and saw a man in a plaid shirt put his hand to the window and once i focused, he was gone. But easily decipherable that it was a white male in late 50s with short black hair. So I thought nothing of it. It bothered me when I got bored and daydreamed. I began to do a little research on the property about who owns it and if anyone lived there. To my surprise a friend of mine said his uncle lived there his whole life on the farm. He was the last one to pass away in the home, the uncle lived with his parents which they passed years prior also in home. So I asked my friend if he was late 50s, short black hair and died upstairs, his face dropped and he said yes. He passed away from diabetes, he did not take his insulin and was found dead by his brother a few days later. After that, I look into that window every day, driving by saying a prayer on my way to work. I was driving along a quiet industrial road one night. It had been a fairly quiet night which was rare and I was having a good time. I was thinking about a lot of things. It was the holiday season and I was considering what kind of gifts to get for my kids. They were in their late teens, so buying gifts for them not only became more difficult but increasingly more expensive. I remember I still chuckled at the idea of getting them cheap water pistols like I used to do when they were much younger. That was when I drove by a building with the alarm system going off. I looked at the name on the building and looked up the owner's details. I phoned him and he said that the building had been empty for years and that there was nothing left inside there for anyone to steal. I told him that was all fine but he still needed to come and open up for me as I was worried that vagrants might have been trying to set up camp inside. I waited a few minutes and a disgruntled man showed up unhappy about needing to be there so late at night. It was around 3 AM. When I entered the building, the first thing I did was walk with the owner from door to door to make sure that none of them had been broken. Then I wanted to check and clear every floor. The building owner had to come with me as I didn't want him waiting outside in the dark. It wasn't a safe area and I didn't want him to get robbed. The building had 7 floors in total. And we were slowly making our way up each floor. Eventually the owner got frustrated and asked me if I really thought that a vagrant would climb that many stairs just to find a place to sleep. I explained to him that I've seen them go through more effort than that to get comfortable. Also there were only 2 floors left, we might as well have finished it. When we got to the 7th floor I noticed immediately that there was a cool breeze that wasn't in the rest of the building. I asked the owner if that was normal and he just shrugged. So I went about clearing all the rooms. When we entered the 3rd or 4th room, I noticed a freshly broken window. I pointed it out to the owner and he shrugged it off, saying it was likely just a bird that broke it. He was getting really annoyed with me at this point because I had forced him to go all the way out there in the dead of night to check through a building he didn't seem to care about anymore. But as an officer my gut was telling me to keep going, and I never ignore my gut. When we got to the last room, the largest room, I used my flashlight. The owner got frustrated and just flipped on the lights illuminating the entire room. That's when I heard the loudest screech I've ever heard in my life. It was coming from the far corner of the room. We looked up in that direction and saw a large dog-like creature running through the space. It had patchy white fur and large ape-leg arms and feet. Then it threw its body straight through the window. I waited to hear a thud on the ground, but it never came. We bolted back down the seven flights of stairs and around the building to where the creature would have landed. But we found nothing. All I found were some fresh tracks in the garden beds leading away from the building. The building owner started freaking out and before I could stop him he ran to his car and drove away. I tried to call him a couple of times to ask him to come back but he wouldn't take my call. I immediately jumped into my car, locked the doors and called for backup. A team of people arrived and we searched the building once more as the owner had left it open. Then we searched the nearby surrounding area for the creature. We couldn't find anything. It was an industrial area so the creature could have been absolutely anywhere. The report I filed is still sitting in a filing cabinet somewhere being forgotten about. But I know for sure that neither me nor the owner of the building could possibly forget that encounter. I never enter buildings alone anymore. I don't know what I'll do if I ever see something like that again. Not a cop but a juvenile detection center. While I was on night shift 11 pm to 7 am I would basically make rounds and watch TV. Nothing happened because all the kids were sleeping. There were occupied cells except for one. I asked why this one was never filled and my supervisor said because every kid that stayed in there felt uneasy sleeping and something would grab their hand. Of course I said "Okay, well whatever. So while making my rounds and checking on the kids to make sure they were sleeping and not goofing off slash staying awake, I checked through the window on this door. To this day I still wouldn't look in there unless it was occupied. I saw a bed with a pitched blanket on it. Mind you the cell was empty and closed and I know for a damned fact there wasn't a blanket in there only a mattress the day before when I was watching the same cell block. So I called the acting supervisor and I said you gotta see this. He comes down and sees the blanket now on the floor. And I said I'm telling you it was pitched up like a tent and I know there wasn't a blanket in there yesterday. And he said point blank, why do you think you were in this cell block and no one else? They knew I was new of course and gave me cell block D which they nicknamed Doom. Because the worst kids were here and it was haunted. Would have been nice on orientation day to have learned that beforehand. I used to work overnight in a hospital and creepy things happen all the time. Call lights going off in unoccupied rooms, footsteps behind me in long dark halls, the smell of weird perfumes when no one is around. And those are just the little things. One night I heard my coworker call for me. I came around the corner to the nurse's station and she's MIA. I assumed she had to run something to a room. I go about my rounds and when I finally run into her, ask her what she needed. She said she didn't need anything, that she'd been on break and never said my name or called out to me. I argued for a few minutes until I realized she had no reason to lie. But I heard it plain as day. Still creeps me out when I think about it. Another place you want to avoid at night is the morgue. I worked in a 300 year old hotel for a couple of years in Ireland, huge manor house owed by some of the richest people in Ireland back in the 1650s I think. When we have guests stay we don't really tell them any of the spooky stories unless they ask are there any or if it's meant to be haunted. It's known that many years ago a rich man lived in the house with his kids. Now one of his kids was said to be troubled, apparently she was locked in her room because of this as punishment for days. She eventually jumped out the window of her bedroom which was on the highest floor of the house and didn't survive. Fast forward to a couple of years ago when I started. I heard a story once I started that a man was found by housekeeping under his covers absolutely terrified one morning. He was on about a woman in his room in the middle of the night, walk over to him and sit on the end of his bed. This was also the room that belonged to the girl from the story. Now as a firm non-believer in the supernatural I saw it as a story and nothing more since I wasn't working when it happened. However fast forward again to when I was working in the hotel. As a small hotel, 35 rooms, we know the names of the people staying, where they're from and how many kids they have staying with them if any. One morning a woman came down to reception to complain about kids running around the top floor of the hotel all night and screaming. We just looked at her and said we have no children staying in the hotel that night. Fourteen years as a mobile security guard. I was patrolling a private school that was only five years old at the time. This school was new and went from kindergarten through to year 12, Queensland, Australia. For a few months we got movement sensor alarms from the prep classrooms. First year of formal schooling. They consisted of two classrooms with a central kitchen and staff rooms. For us guards we would enter through the staff area and had a short hallway with a door at either end to the classrooms. We normally did the internal check. Find nothing. Put it down to the aircon blowing some of the artwork hanging on string in the classroom. Reset the alarm and go on our way. This night I head into the hallway and turn to the right side door. I open it and step into the room to have a black shape like a bat fly straight at my head. I dodge out of the way and end up on my arse without anything actually hitting me. All doors were shut all windows closed. I searched and found nothing. But never had another alarm from that building for the next four years I patrolled it. I did however a few years later while driving around the school notice a set of legs walking across the admin building roof. The car park lights were on behind the building so there is a glow of light clearly outlining the building. This shadow of legs to the hips is walking across the roof peak with. No way that I can work out how or what the shadows could be from. Not a cop or law enforcer but I worked at a funeral home all throughout college. I don't usually believe in the paranormal, but there were a couple times I questioned it. There is this one time that stands out more than any other experience. Usually when I was working, it was to work after normal funeral home hours at a viewing slash rosary. This usually meant I was there until dark by myself. Our funeral home was also an old house that always gave me a creepy vibe. My routine for closing was to turn of all the lights. Make sure the crematory was off slash clean with no one in there, close any open caskets, transfer the phones, and lock the door. There was this one time I was in a viewing room turning off all the lights. It was a mid-40s man in one of our viewing rooms. Now normally an embalmed body has their eyelids shut. Our funeral home used what amounts to sticky contacts that would hold the eyes shut. As I was turning off the last light out of the corner of my eye I saw the light reflecting off of an eyeball. This is nearly impossible and made all the hair stand up on my neck. I turned around and I swear on my parents grave it looked like that man was looking right at me. He had the glassy eyes of a dead person and his mouth was still sewn with a slight smile. His head was turned slightly and his eyes were wide open. Instead of being the good funeral home employee and checking it out, I sprinted out of there. I immediately called my boss and told her what I saw. She said to not worry about closing the casket but to transfer the phones and go. She didn't believe a word I said. Going back in was tough. As I was in the front office, I was holding the phone shaking and continually checking around the corner for anything. I was so scared I called my roommate while I finished transferring. Didn't open the next day. They checked the body and nothing was off. His eyes were shut and his neck wasn't rotated. My boss made fun of me for a good couple of months after that. I can't explain what I saw but it could have been due to tiredness or my brain playing tricks in the dark. Either way, I will never forget that experience. I'm not in law enforcement or fire slash rescue or anything like that. I'm a plumbing contractor and got a call from some homeowners about a bad smell in their house. They were trying to sell the house but were having no luck because prospective homeowners noticed the odor when they entered the master bath. I show up at the site thinking it's a broken vent or main sewer line and the smell is sewer gas or raw sewage coming up from the crawl space. When I entered the home I couldn't smell anything until I got in the master bathroom and then it hit me. It wasn't quite a sewer gas smell. It smelled more like raw sewage mixed with grease trap grease that had been sitting out in the sun on a 90 degree day. I asked the homeowner how to get in the crawl space as I didn't see an access from the outside. The man said he didn't know and had never had to go down there. I started searching the bedroom closets for an access and found one in one of the homeowner's daughter's room. It was under the carpet and screwed and nailed shut. Here's where it gets freaky. The little girl, whose room the crawl access was in, was watching me as I took up the carpet and was taking out the nails and screws from the access door. She turns to her dad, when I was almost done removing the screws and nails, and frantically starts telling him not to let him out. The dad assumed she was talking about not letting me out and started telling her I wasn't leaving I was just going under the house. She literally broke down crying and screaming the homeowner apologized and took her out of the room. When I finally got the access door open, the smell about knocked me out. It was terrible. I climbed down in the crawl and worked my way towards the master bath. There was no broken main, no broken vent, no sewage on the ground. In the corner there was a large black trash bag and when I opened it it was full of whole animal carcasses and old old bottles of embalming fluid. Freaked me the F out. I hauled ass out of there and told them they'll need to call some kind of hazardous waste disposal company to come in and get rid of whatever the hell was down there. I didn't even charge the people i just got the hell out. A few weeks later I got a call from the same people wanting some minor repairs done in the kitchen so they could sell. The homeowner said after I left the smell completely went away and they had a handyman remove the bag of animal bones they said that had to be the cause of the smell but it had went away before the bag was removed and last time I checked, bones don't smell like that. Never found out what the little girl meant by let him out and never went back there. I was back visiting my parents in my early twenties. We've always had a tumultuous relationship. That night I got into an argument with my mom. I was in a bad place mental health wise and was also in an abusive relationship. Just a really low place. I was reaching out for emotional support from my parents and not getting it, basically. After my mom and I argued I went to bed in my childhood bedroom. It's a big room with a fireplace and two doors you can use to come in. My house was built in 1831 and used to serve as a sort of inn and stop off of the road for travelers. It's always felt full of the presence of people or something, even when you are there alone. Anyway, I go to sleep and have the most awful, violent, messed up dreams. I don't really recall them now but they were just beyond any nightmare I had ever experienced. When I woke up the next day I was soaking wet like I had been sweating all night. I noticed as I was sitting up that my back felt sore, but didn't think anything of it until I took my soaked shirt off. My back was covered in these long scratches, all in sets of three. One set was scratched up almost the entire length of my spine. There were also small bruises concentrated in my mid-back area and one of my shoulders. The scratched kind of felt like cat scratches, kind of burned in the same way, but they weren't raised up and puffy like cat scratches. I took a photo of it if anyone is curious. It still freaks me out to this day. I always kept those bedroom doors closed and there weren't any animals in the house at the time. I also searched all over the bed and there wasn't anything sharp. This was the worst experience of the scratching I ever had, but it wasn't the only time. After that first incident it happened several other times just to a lesser degree. Always with small little bruises. Generally when I'm very stressed and not in a good place in my life. Would love to know what causes it. Many years ago, when my now 28 year old daughter was still an infant. Me, her, and our dog were at the apartment we were living in at the time. My wife was at work, I was sitting on the couch watching TV. My daughter was asleep on a blanket pallet on the floor, and the dog, a German Shepherd-Wolf hybrid mix, was about 10 feet away laying in the doorway between our kitchen and the living room area. At any rate, I was watching whatever it was that I was watching when all of a sudden, Thor, our dog, starts with this low-level, guttural growling. I figured that he had heard someone in another apartment or walking by through the parking lot and don't think much of it. As a few seconds pass, I notice that it's getting louder and I can see out of the corner of my eye that he has lifted his head up off his paws, his ears are perked, and he's looking up at the ceiling over where my daughter was laying. I look up, don't see anything, tell him to knock it off. Right after I tell him to knock it off, he jumps up, starts circling my sleeping daughter, literally walking around the pallet she's laying on and growling more and more intensely, even stopping once and outright snarling and snapping his teeth, all while staring up at the ceiling. After about two minutes of this, and me having no clue on what to do since I can't see anything and I do not want to reach for my daughter with him circling her like that, he laid down next to my daughter, rested his head on her back, and stayed there for almost an hour, still intently staring up at the ceiling and occasionally growling. To this day, I have no idea what the hell was going on or what he saw, sensed. But it was extremely creepy to me. Not a cop but I do overnight security in a hospital. One night we got a call from the operator that someone was making phone calls from an abandoned part in the hospital. Now this part of the hospital has absolutely no one in it whatsoever during night shifts, so it already raised some red flags for us. I should also mention that whenever I do rounds in this section I always feel like someone is watching me. Anyway, so we get the call so me and my supervisor head over and check out the entire area check all doors closets etc eventually my supervisor opens this lone closet and sees this weird looking voodoo like doll propped up in the closet with an old school dial telephone in the closet with it. The next night the doll was in a different location. A family member of mine worked security at the Dayton mall in Ohio for many years. He told me, a major ghost slash paranormal skeptic a story and showed me security footage that gave me goosebumps and made my hair stand on end. From his point of view, about 14 years ago, a fellow security guard is patrolling overnight, 24 hours security on site, and when he's in one of the hallways that goes behind all the shops he sees a man, plain as day and totally normal looking, run through the hall. He chases after the guy, as obviously no one is supposed to be in the mall except security, and finally gets into the same stretch of hallway as the man. The security officer says that the guy opened the supposedly locked back door to one of the stores that has a roll-down cage in front and go in, closing the door behind him. Security officer follows, gets to the door, and finds it locked. Thinking the guy just locked it behind him, and being armed with only handcuffs, The security officer calls in Miami Township Police since the guy is cornered in the locked down store. Police arrive, make their way to the door, security officer unlocks the door, police announce themselves and go in. Nothing. No evidence of any person being in the shop. Everything is still locked up and the shop is cleared. Now for the footage. My family member showed me the footage from the hallway of the shop's back door. The man runs on screen first, right up the door, opens and closes it. Except this man is nothing but a bright ball of light. As I was watching, I tried to explain it away and say oh it's just the camera acting up, but not two seconds later, the security officer shows up on screen and looks totally normal. There have been a few murders and several deaths in general at and around this particular mall, and I imagine most malls in general so I'm not sure if that contributes, but this is the one instance of a ghost story that was believable to me.